Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights and the Phantom Town Audio Show. I'm Tom Reed, and joining me tonight are Martin Maloney, live from the Epton One, believe it or not, in Brunt, unfortunately probably at home, not in an Eastern District pub, and Jefferson Lake. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Yeah, yeah. not bad, thanks. All good, all good here in NN3. Sweet. We've had a few uh, technical problems in the last week or so, so it's just nice to have everyone on board. Martin, you are live from the Epton One. Please do not swear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just, just talk us through it. Your favourite pub. You're actually there now. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm coming to the end of a couple of weeks off work, so I've not got to worry about going to work tomorrow. So I thought I'd come, I'd come down. We've actually where I'm at in Exonbrook, we've got we've got three pubs nearby. You've got the Elwes Arms um, on Billing, very old historic pub, a um, yeah. little more upmarket. The Deer's Leap, which probably over the years has a terrible reputation, but it's quite a decent down at hill pub now. Only takes cash though. Um, but that was that's live enough. And the Ecton one, call me Ecton Brook, which uh, Bippin, uh, the postmaster around here, took it over when it was um, going derelict and has turned it into a pub, stroke community centre. We probably don't get the numbers in we ought to have, except when there's bingo on or certain community events it will rent it out for. But yeah, I love it. I've come here ever since I've come and voted in the election when they moved the polling station to school to here and it said bar open upstairs and I'm like, but after I futilely voted Labour, um, I thought, well, best thing I'll do is I'll put a couple of quid behind the bar and, um, well, we drink here ever since. They've got a polling station in the pub. That's just brilliant. Uh, yeah. isn't it? What a yeah, great well, way. Well, you, I mean, you know, as a kid, I, I'd have, I mean, I never closed like St Mary's or Thomas Beckett for, um, for like elections. I was always quite jealous of the kids whose schools did get closed, but it's probably not a good thing for society. So, um, they used to close Andrew's school just up the road. Uh, Bip, fair play, stepped in and said you can use the, 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 the pub, which means the kids get an extra day's education. They might not thank you for it now, but it's good for them. So, um, yeah, proper good community thing here. Fair play. Although it's not the um, swinging sparring as we talked about the other week. It's just uh, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> I'm just... No, no. If we hear someone selling a bit of knockoff meat or some people fighting over the pool table, we'll just scoss over it, mate. Don't worry. I know. I know. I don't, didn't need to think myself. Don't worry, Tom. Tom, you're 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 late. You're lazy. And three stereotypes are noted. 
amazing British <laughs> um, Martin, tell us a little bit about, and I, talk, I mean a little bit. <laughs> we don't want to go on all night. I'm a man of few words. I'm a man of few words. <laughs> your cricket tour. How did your cricket tour to um, the most beautiful cricket venues in the UK go? Look lovely. Hey, it was absolutely awesome. So I'm a couple of weeks off off work at the moment. Um, so mate Russell that drinks in here is is just for. Yes, we are podcasting, Russ. Just talk about the cricket tour. I'll talk about runs. Um, so he got me to come down and play for them. I think when we didn't have a baseball game one uh, one time last season and they were short. Um, quite enjoyed it. A good bunch of lads down in Hertfordshire. Um, and they tour every year. They go to Chatsworth House, which. Mm. I've played Sunday League football a long time. I've played baseball a few years. I've never played at a Chatsworth House or anything like that. It's proper posh. <laughs> so we play there, play there on the Saturday. We stop in Chesterfield. At Chatsworth House on the Saturday. And on the Monday, we play at Darleydale. Now, Chatsworth, apparently, if, you, if you, you're posh, you drop the house. So Chatsworth is a really nice venue. Um Lovely thing, they're not allowed to do much permanent um, work on there uh, because the Duke of Devonshire that owns it all doesn't like anything spoiling the views. But the lads who run the cricket, uh, there's a uh, Sheffield lad, Billy, that, that runs, he's the main guy there. Absolute brilliant bunch, like, and we had, we didn't make enough runs, made 141, uh, but we bowled them out. Uh, uh, bowl fielded brilliantly, so that was that was a good day. Had a couple of beers with them afterwards. Then on the Monday, we went to Darley Dale. Now, people of a certain age who live in the Midlands might remember the whole thing that Darley Dale was near Matlock because it was in some adverts. At least that's what a couple of us recall. <laughs> but it turns out it's just at the bottom of some big hill in Derbyshire, which is very hilly. But the ground is 126 years old, and it's beautiful. Um, and we played, we played there, we cruised it. They made 168 off their 40 overs. Um, I was batting at five, um, having outscored my mate yet again on tour. Um, batting at five, I had my pads on, but our lads knocked it off easily. So, yeah, it was, it was good. And unsurprisingly, a lot of beers were had, especially in the fabulous Einstein's German bar stroke restaurants in Chesterfield, which I'd give a shout out to as well, if any of our listeners are from that part of Derbyshire. <laughs> uh, did you get a free drink in return for that, uh, Martin? We know about your, your form. <laughs> oh, oh, I should be making notes. I'll, make notes. I'll send them a copy of the podcast and tell them they owe, <laughs> they, they, they'll owe me a, a, a beer burst or curry burst. Um, Martin, we're just taking, as you're in the XM1, we've, um, we've got uh, t- Twitter readers to um, buy you drinks behind the bar. So, so far, you've got 17 creme de monster drink, uh, <laughs> eight pints of uh, Carlsberg uh, special brew. <laughs> I'm just looking to see what's on and what's off. Well, no one's asked for Foster's at least, because that appears to be off. Um, Martin, have you got a football moment of the week for us? Uh, yeah, I have. I, I know I often talk about the. Um, oh my god! That, sorry, I've just looked up football. Is that a penalty for Hungary? Um, I've um, I've often talked about the you know, really big important. Oh, that's pretty big. Big important word things like some of the things that Marcus Rashford are things. Some things of great social importance. Sometimes it's just really little football stuff that's meaningful. Now I remember when. Keith Curl had taken over, kept us up. He then started the season a bit patchily. And we had a game at 
at Carlisle on Tuesday night where he changed formation. Uh, we scored two goals late on and the first one was scored by, by Scott Pollock. Yeah. And Pollock has had very little luck since then. Um, he's clearly a talented boy, clearly had no luck. And to see him come back Tuesday night, get a start, admittedly out of position, but score a goal, I'm like, yeah. Moments like there's sometimes there are players who, who shine brightly and you think, especially young players, and you think, <clears throat> this guy's going to amount to something really good. And for one reason or another, they, sometimes their own makers off injuries, off bad luck or whatever it is, they drift away and you don't see them again. It's not the ones you, you miss out on because you didn't rate them because they'll catch on elsewhere. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And I always had a feeling with Scott it was going to be like that. Yeah. See him get that goal. That really, really cheered me up. It was a, just a little bit of, not redemption, it's not done anything bad, but just, it was a thing I thought I might never see again. Yeah, it was, um, I've, I've, seen, I've seen the goal on the replay, as a nice little header from him. Don't really engage in that, that tournament. The checker twat, as it's called, the checker twat trophy. It was a good, it was a good goal. Just think of it, just think of it like reserve team games, like we used to have. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that, that tournament, but it, it's just with, with Scott Pollock, is he going to get a game in the league? That's the important thing now. A lot of people are saying he, he should play on Saturday and um, I've seen some couple of stories about how he's come back from injuries and stuff. And I think eventually you get to the point where technical players like him really do need to, to play. And um, you, and I, you and I often, often differ on, um, on team yeah. selection and, and stars. Thing is, he could have start, He could have played that game, and we'd not even notice because none of us watch that competition, watch mm. the highlights, read the report, maybe, and he wouldn't be on the in the conversation. He's put himself in the conversation for Saturday, and that's as much as he could do. And yeah. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I just find sometimes that I don't think people like make excuse, or, or make excuses not to play the young players, but it's almost as if. Reason not to play them, injury or something like that. So it'd be nice to see him get a few games, and he's a very good technical player. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. And it's a more realistic thing, and it may be looked for a very long time. Yeah, definitely. So that was that was a good one. Keep an eye on him. Hopefully, he might play a little part on Saturday. So Ian, we've had a few technical problems with you in the past. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, have you got that tape deck connected to the Commodore 64 now? It's the microphone. I bought it from some dodgy geezer in the Ecton One, so that's what. <laughs> I think that's what went wrong. But yeah, yeah. Going to go now. I think there's some good stuff in there. To be fair, the old yeah, meat. In there. If you want, if you want a couple yeah. of steaks of an evening, go down the Ecton One. I hear. <laughs> but um, yeah. Ian, have you got a football moment of the week for us? Yeah, I was watching the one show earlier and there was this, they did a thing where they thank people who've been doing like good work in the community and there was this Welsh chap and he started a charity called, I think it's called The Boot Room and um, right. and then basically, yeah, uh, he was in football kit, mainly boots for, for kids who couldn't afford them because they're not cheap, are they? And basically, and then a young lad had helped him out, and it's just snowballed completely. And it's not just in it's in uh, Carmarthen. I was shocked. Always my Welsh place names are shocking. I've got a mate who lives out that way. I should get it right. Um, 
and yeah hundreds of kids have now benefited from it all around wales britain everywhere so yeah they surprised him they do a thing on the one show where they like have a celebrity turn up in disguise and then surprise them and then they've all all video messages from people he's helped and his family and other celebrities and the person that surprised him was was michael sheen who he, he turned up at this guy at where they're based this charity and um yeah, he was dressed as like a motorcycle courier and then he took the helmet off. Well, I was disappointed because he should have gone in character as Cluffy, shouldn't he? Would have been great. <laughs> young man, young man. Yeah, little bird tells me. So, yeah, it was really good. And they had like um, Ashley Williams and um, loads of different sort of any anyone the BBC could sort of muster up with any sort of Welsh sporting connection to say uh, good work. So, you know, in the week that through reasons of greed, they're looking at maybe playing the World Cup biannually. It's good to remember that, you know, grassroots sport, that's what it's really about, isn't it? Not um, richer people getting richer. Yeah, that's a good one. That's bloody brilliant. Talking about the World Cup, um, Andy, Andy isn't quite um, sort of, he's very sort of jovial on Twitter with his little stories and stuff and his um, Andy Bodfish and talking about with his different pictures he does and stuff like that. But his... Uh, he is not happy about the World Cup going to, to uh, you know, every two years. He's said something about like a, a plague on all your houses on FIFA. So FIFA, I was like, fair play, mate. It's um, but he'd probably get a bit more work out of it actually. So he should perhaps not talk it down. But yeah, um, do you know Michael Sheen? Is he related to Charlie Sheen, or is it just a, a common name? <laughs> He's not related, but you could probably do a really good impression of him if they ever made a biopic of them um, of him. Yeah, I just do you reckon that is his actual name Sheen in real life, or has he just changed it to try and sort of like get a bit of the, on the Sheen action? Who's the other one? The, the dad, he's a talented guy as well. Jeff will know. Martin. Martin. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yeah, Martin Sheen is the dad, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah, think Martin was... Sheen, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, Michael Sheen's like. Yeah, yeah Martin. Martin's the older one. He changed his name to give it a bit of extra polish. Mm, yeah, of course. It's all sons of Mister. <laughs> but that was, uh, yeah, that was a good one, Ian. It's nice to have some sort of heartwarming stories, especially in the, all the stuff about um, the World Cup and stuff. And we'll get to Ronaldo in a little bit. Uh, we spring Jeff in now. Jeff, uh, transfer Hello. deadline day this week. We talked about it a little bit in the past. You've worked quite a few of them at, the, at mm. Northampton. For me, it's almost like, do you actually need a transfer deadline day in League Two the way it is now? It's sort of like waiting around for one low knee or something. It's a bit like um, waiting for the postman all day to deliver a parcel. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of yeah. I think now. it's um, it's I've I've obviously worked at uh, on transfer deadline days for the Cron and for Sky Sports. Um, with the Cron, it's always. Like league at uh, League Two level, it's really it's like um it's a distraction more than anything. Uh, actually, I don't think it does distract anyone at the club, but it's more distraction for fans and uh and stuff. People are just desperate. Oh, let's sign someone. Let's sign someone like that. But um, the, with the club, what they I think every single time, every single transfer deadline day I did with the Cobblers, they said, well, it doesn't really matter because uh, is it after I don't know if it is still the same rules, but it certainly was then. After seven days we can sign loan players anyway. And 
at this point in the season, then the majority of the players that they would bring in anyway would be loan players. Be, you know, even if you could buy players in season, I think it would be enormously rare for League Two players to do that or, you know, take over a contract of a player from another club. Mm. So it doesn't really matter in League Two. Obviously, higher levels, it's a different story altogether. And this transfer window has just has been pretty uh, sort of seismic hasn't it in terms of the deals that have been done Messi and Ronaldo move clubs to the two best players in the world one two of the best players of all time so yeah a biggie but it's it's a very different world when you do it for the cron when you do it for the sky <laughs> have you ever got, got over that evening Simon Cox do you remember that saga Simon Cox when he was going to sign he wasn't going to sign yeah yeah I did yeah I, I remember it well I remember um because I kind of had to, when I, whenever I'd phone um, David Cardoza or whoever the manager was at the time, I'd always go to the other side of the Cron office on my, my mobile rather than use a desk phone, mainly because other people on the sports desk would like say stupid shit in the background and try to make me laugh <laughs> or throw rolled up bits of paper. And Case was the worst for that. The throw rolled up bits of paper at your head while you're trying to ask about signing a player or something. So I remember I was over in um, like the old advertising team section talking about Simon Cox. The, uh, and I think he'd been in, he'd been into the club and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to sign and everything. And then all of a sudden he was going to Swindon. Mm. Uh, and I don't think Swindon actually offered him any more money. They might have offered him a longer deal or something or a better bonus structure or something like that. But, yeah, I do remember that one quite clearly in the old sort of 1970s Cron office with the stained carpet that was there when they demolished it still. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so there, 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 was some good, there were some good ones like that, you know. And, the, and the, obviously the big, the big Wilder transfer window, the, the January one where he signed... Jason Taylor, Brendan Maloney, and Ricky Holmes is was is really was a turning point in his managerial career and the club's fortunes under his guidance. But a lot of the time, they are just bollocks, uh, for <laughs> want of a better word. That Simon Cox one is quite interesting actually, because I sort of thought after the event, was it just a, like um, an elaborate sort of facade that he was never going to sign and they were just stringing everyone along. I found that quite funny, but actually yeah. that he did maybe go in and have some talks and stuff. Is actually yeah, well, I, well, I mean, that's what they told me. He, they might have been lying to me as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you, you have to take these people at their word, obviously. And it, it would have been a bit of a weird thing to lie about because they kind of admitted that they'd Dead tried to get him and then been gazumped by Swindon, which isn't really a bigger club than Northampton. It was a bit of a mm. bit of you know a bit of a kick in the teeth that one. It's not like he's going and signing for Liverpool or someone, is it? You know, um, but I mean, what a difference he would have made. He, I think, he, if they'd assigned him in that window, because that was the year they went down, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah. And didn't he score hat trick for Swindon a, game, a win at six? They they won at six was four three Tuesday night game late in the season that year. It probably would have made all the difference, but I mean, who knows really? He was he was a good player. I just think it quite brilliant funny. player, absolutely brilliant. Quite funny that imagine they had just strung everyone along, including you. They were like, right, we're not <laughs> going to sign anyone, but let's just think of a, a random middle in sort of lower league forward that we're going to pretend we're going to sign. Yeah. Why we can get everyone? 
I was up at about 11 o'clock watching the, you know, the news and stuff. It was like, afterwards, it just ruined my belief in the transfer deadline there, to be honest with you. Mm. Thinking back yeah. it. it was just an elaborate ruse by Gareth Wilshere. <laughs> There's someone, it's almost become a meme every deadline day. Um, a strike, ex-Derby striker, his name escapes me, who we were always rumoured to be coming to Malcolm Christie. Malcolm Christie, yes. Malcolm Christie, yeah. <laughs> And he, I mean, he never did. And I don't think it's even close. It was just like <laughs> one of those things. Just It got legs because we like deadline days because it gives a sense of urgency, a sense of something might happen. Yeah. And, God, I remember being excited we signed Emil Sinclair. And to be fair, we well, put in three good performances in his career, Cobblers, two of which probably helped keep us up in the league, however bad he was the rest of the time. Yeah. But I think everyone was excited when they signed him because he was everything they wanted. He's like a big, tall, powerful, quick striker, good goal record. They paid money for him. They got him at sort of like 11.59pm or whatever it is. So there was a bit of extra buzz from that. Um, and I, I can't remember at the time there being any, anyone saying that's a bad signing. So it just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, sometimes it's, it's not always... Perception is not always, you know, what it should, what it is, you know. It's, and then they'll sign players, and people will be like, "Oh Christ!" Actually, to be fair, the best, the best deadline day signing I think they ever made was Kenny Duca. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't get, didn't get many goals, but he um, yeah, gave us important. some bars, and he, he put a shift in, didn't he? Yeah. Wasn't and a really thing? great lad. When they signed Akin Fenner <sighs> the first time. Was that not the day that did they sign Simon Cox at the same time or some a different striker who they based on Akin Fen was well, well we'll take a little chance on this this lad who's broke his leg and hasn't had a game for a little while and they signed someone else who who drifted into into nothingness. That could be anyone, Martin. To be honest with yeah. you, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, so list of cobbler strikers who didn't quite a short. Well, he one. was he was there, wasn't he, at the same time as Paul Huberts. An interview with whom is available in the What a Load of Cobblers audio arc podcast archives. Um, is that who you mean? Because he was obviously quite a big hitter, had they had at the time. And, and yeah, but wasn't Hubert's was signed at the start of the season? Oh, right. So someone came in the window, right? Yeah, and I'm sure Akin Fenwell was signed almost an afterthought, and someone else came in on the same day. Mm. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And I think he scored his debut, and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Might be something, and it turned out he was, if not everything, as close as we've ever got. Didn't we sign him um, a Scottish striker once? Not not Dukart. Uh, what was his name? Andy Didn't Kirk. This is, a, this is not not um, Stuart Gray time, wasn't it? Um, I can't remember his name, but he I think he went to Motherwell or somewhere. I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, and Andy Andy Kirk. No, no, there's another guy. They they signed um, they did sign a player from I think he was playing in Scotland. Was it Scott Vernon? Uh, oh, no, God, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he missed an absolute sitter at Bristol Rovers. I think the year they went down. Mm. Um, yeah. is, is anyone watching um, England v Hungary at the moment? Because we're recording. Oh, nice. Yes, got, got it up in the pub. Yep. What's the score, mine? It nil nil at half time. I was going to say, Jeff, will there ever be a Hungarian player better than Gabor Jepes? I'm not sure. For the cobblers or. You beat you beat me to it, Jeff. Not for us. Uh, Puskas. No, no, he's better than yeah, all them. 
Um, was it James Quinn, that player? Uh, no, no, he's he was a shorter guy. I, I will find it out for us listeners, for you listeners, but I can't remember, I can't remember him, but yeah, he's, he's definitely Scottish. We've signed probably quite a few nondescript Scottish players, so <laughs> yeah. Um, old Gabor Jepez, what team did he come through? Did he play for Honved? No, I'm not sure. Played for someone pretty decent in Hungary, and he played for um the Hungarian national team, which is just astounding. Like, can you imagine now signing a, like, a, like a Hungarian international? But with Stuart Gray, it was sort of like part mm. of the course, wasn't it? These sort of brilliant players. Ferenc Varos, according to Soccer Base. There we go. And Wolves bought him in t- July 2005. And then we had him for 15, actually sorry, 16 glorious matches in 2008. It was a shame was, almost yeah. that Cardiff bought him because... He, because of the injury problems, he wasn't necessarily that level and maybe that pace you need in the high division. But at our level, in League mm. One, he was just mercurial, wasn't he? He just had that yeah. extra... Far too good for the level. He was, just like, he was ahead of the game, I think. Mm. Really good player. But yeah, um, they sold him They sold him 750 grand, something like that, though? Yeah. You were never going to turn that down. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, have you got think... a full bank of the week? I have, yeah, but it's a bit of um, it's not one, it's not a full moment that's, it's certainly not not like a, a, a one to warm your heart or or really just one to to celebrate in any way. It's really more like a, a curiosity, uh, something that's interested me. I've actually since so in the past uh, couple of months, I've changed. I've had a complete career change, so I'm I'm still going to work for Sky Sports. I'm still going to freelance for Sky Sports. <laughs> But my main job now is going to be as a sports journalism lecturer at University of Northampton. Lots of people will know that anyway. was all over Twitter and stuff. But because of that, I've kind of started looking at journalism a lot more analytically. And sort of, I've kind of always done that anyway. I've kind of always been a bit of a student of the game of journalism and been interested in how it works. And I've just finished reading a really good book about the history of the Daily Mail and stuff like that. And I was actually really fascinated this week Cristiano Ronaldo has obviously re-signed for Manchester United. Um, there's a lot of interesting elements in play for that deal anyway. You know, is it just, is it mainly a PR move because he was going to go to Manchester City and it will buy the Glazers a bit of more favour with the fans? You I mean, they were protesting against them not that long ago. Um was he ever actually going to go to Manchester City or did the agent just use them to drag a, a, a bid from Manchester United? Um, were Manchester City complicit in that? And does the agent now owe them a favour? There's lots of things in that, you know. But the, what's really interested me journalistically, right, is all, almost everything I've read and all the, you know, broadcast output I've watched or listened to about the Ronaldo transfer there has been no mention at all of the fact that he is being taken to court for rape, right? Is, the, woman, the woman he is alleged to have sexually assaulted in America is pursuing a legal claim against him in the United States. She wants, I think it's like 56 million pounds in damages or something, dollars. Mm. That, that's an ongoing allegation, okay? Has not been mentioned in any of the reporting. Um, the Athletic, to be fair, today did put a story up, um, sort of explaining, 
the allegations. This is very in-depth. Well, it's not very in-depth. It's, it's a it's a good sort of like a primer article. If you if you don't know um, the the sort of the background to this story, it's very useful to read that. But and they've got they've kind of said in their article that you know it's going to be um, they've said we will dedicate time and resources to further investigating the subject. But it doesn't really explain why none of the other outlets have mentioned it in any of their reporting. It's all just been um, celebratory, a celebratory tone. You know, yeah. one of the best players in the history of football is coming back to the Premier League. OK, great. Here's what he's going to bring to Manchester United. You know, <laughs> Jamie Carragher was interviewed on Sky Sports and he was pointing out how Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be a great role model for younger players. Mm, you factor in this other stuff in the background that no one's talking about. Mm, OK, right, fine. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said something about him being a fantastic human being, I think he was his quote. Yeah. And it's like, is no, is no one challenging these people on this with this stuff in the background? I mean, it's, it's an enormously grey area, isn't it? Because with situations like this, um, there's also the element that no criminal charges have been brought. I understand from reading the article in The Athletic that a payment was made by Cristiano Ronaldo to the to the woman who has made the allegations. Mm. Um, it's, it's just all really murky. And I just can't really figure out why, why it's not just, even if it's just sort of within the story somewhere, yeah. It sort of almost feels a little bit irresponsible from a journalistic perspective not to mention those things. I just want and like I mean, do you guys have a view on it at all? Do you like do you is there any do you sort of have do you feel like it's because it's not been the no league no sort of criminal charges have been brought, it's kind of it's kind of fair enough it's been admitted, or is it just this massive elephant in the room that no one wants to mention? Oh, I think it's the latter thing. <clears throat> I'll just say, Jeff, I, I think it's the latter. Um, there's, it's a big sign. It was an exciting football story that City would get a player and then suddenly goes to United. And it's all the other stuff. And I get why football people get excited. So, you know, Jamie Carragher, I like the pundit. I probably don't expect him to be all over the news. But the job of sports journalists, and I think you're so right here, Jeff, is this is a real thing. There mm. are allegations with some serious substance around rape and he's got a free pass and that's mm. an absolute disgrace you know sports journalists haven't been doing their job and they've not mm. just mentioned as an aside a woman's suing him and he's paid her some money you know that is less than someone's made some wild unsubstantiated allegations it's mm. it's, in, it's indicative of a couple of things isn't it the first thing is that pretty much the whole British ecosystem of football is reliant on the Premier League and good news stories and clickbait and these things that will revolve around this signing. So no matter how, you know, morally grounded you are as a journalist, it's very difficult to fight the hands that feed you, especially with the editorial control there is. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I would say the number of investigative or serious football journalists uh, or um, ones that are likely to take this head on are, are dwindling now. You, I'd probably say David Conn would have the balls to do it. He's one of the last last surviving investigative journalists stroke 
write on sort of characters and um in the guardian then you've got the athletic that do their their bits but they're heavily subscriber based so that's a sort of a, a quandary um so that's a really difficult thing i guess sort of lighten it up a little bit the best way to get back at ronaldo and to shut him up is to reel out um bring out Derek Asamoah. Derek Asamoah <laughs> at the time when we played man united said he could do more step overs from ronaldo than ronaldo and i think it's time now for Derek Asamoah to prove it do, what do you reckon jeff Absolutely, absolutely. Ronaldo does obviously have a place in Northampton Town folklore yeah. because of that game, because he probably is the best player to play at Sixfields. Yeah. I, don't, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't think of anyone. Zlatan played. Zlatan. Well, I mean, other than the guy that was that was um, up against him that day, Martin Smith, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> I remember um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic played against Northampton in that one when Mourinho came to town. I just remember just like being aghast at the size of the bench for Man United. There was cobblers in their little bench and um, Man United had to have one of those school benches at the side for the rest of their <laughs> hangers-on and their staff. It and was, it was that really funny. And, it um, was a, the, go on, I would just say it was a great moment because... Ibrahimovic and Rooney came on as subs, I think, at 2-1. Yeah. And it was because the Cobbers had rattled them a bit. That's and right. Mourinho yeah. wanted to get the job done. Yeah. And it was just such a great moment. See, right, you've had to bring the big guns on. We're probably going to lose. But boy, oh boy, you've had to work mm. for it. That, um, the Ronaldo game, which I think was, to, I'm going to say, 2004, January. Two, yeah. um, I thought 2000... I, yeah, oh, exactly. definitely that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah the, um, we um obviously do the post match. It's all done by the dugouts and stuff. And Alex Ferguson didn't stand up once. Uh, he didn't leave the dugout at any point during that game. I don't think. And when we when we went over to the dugout, because it's quite you can find some quite good stuff in the dugouts. We used to find things like um the scouting reports and things. Um, telling you, and they were they're brilliant. They're so informative. That like, tells you who runs where at set pieces and stuff and things like that. And um, where in the Manchester United dugout there were hundreds of, well not hundreds, probably about a dozen of those. You know, like when you get a packet of Wrigley's chewing gum, you know, like the silver bit that it's in, the individual silver wrapper. There were loads of them on the floor, and we were saying that that's probably Fergie's chewing gum wrappers. We get them on eBay. We'll make a fortune. Um, <laughs> I don't think they were, and we didn't. So, uh, but yeah. Interesting side note on that Manchester that for that Manchester United game. There, there's an old boy who you always see on the bench at Manchester United. I think his name's Albert, and he always wears shorts. I don't know if he's still with the club anymore because he's one of Fergie's boys. And he sat in front of the the um, where we where the cron seats are in the press box. He was he was sat there for three games prior to that FA Cup tie. And I remember thinking, why on earth would Manchester United, making scouting notes, why on earth would Manchester United watch the Cobblers three times? Like, they, they just, well, sure, they've just got to turn up and win, haven't they? But that's why these elite clubs are elite clubs, aren't they? Because they don't leave anything to chance. Every, every opponent is respected absolutely and meticulously researched and planned for. And I was, quite, I was massively impressed with that and really sort of, indicative of, of how a top club operates. Jeff, are you sure that I was actually a Man United staff member? It wasn't just an old fella, just an old man. 
<laughs> it could have been. There are loads of old boys sitting in front of the press box at the, at the covers. It was great. I used to love it. Uh, that's one of the things I really do miss about covering the club is you go up there and they are, you, some, of the, some of the old boys up there, they're so funny. Some of the stuff they come out with. It's, 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 definitely, it's a unique wit, isn't it? It's, I, I used to really love it. And uh, the unique Northamptonian wit. I get some. Uh, sometimes it sort of comes in handy, and sometimes I bet it's uh, quite wearing at the managers and stuff that I have to listen to it. But yeah, yeah. people are on the thing. It would just be funny if they didn't, even if the Man United people didn't know who Albert was. So they're like, there's that old fellow <laughs> again, just sitting in the bench. <laughs> He's just turning up every week. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I reckon I didn't get tickets for that game because it was obviously a hot. I was at uni at the time and I just wasn't sort of engaged enough to get tickets and stuff but I went to watch it in the pub on the Welly Road the Pickering Fix I think it was full of the yeah. you know you can imagine the, the the people in there it were like the Northampton Man United contingent that were just yeah kind of like George Bass and stuff so it was uh, pretty <laughs> cool but I remember around we did a there was a thing where I don't know if it was Anglia or someone that filmed at the ticket office where people were buying tickets yeah. And obviously, season season ticket, season ticket holders got priority for tickets. So some bloke was being interviewed, and he said, "Oh yeah, I live in Northampton, but I support Man United. So I've just bought a season ticket so I can get a ticket for this game, and I'll just put it in the bin." Yeah, I remember but, that. That's oh, right. quite, that quite a lot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, played? you've got to have a lot of money to do that, haven't you? <laughs> just, do you just reckon go that was... the home games? Do you reckon that might have been true though? Because wasn't it the thing? It's it's. Um... The scene in Quadrophenia where um, the guy says, uh, I think it's it, the guy, it's Sting plays him, you know, offers a find at the mods and rockers that I'll write a check, yeah. which is based on actual news story. Bloke did have a checkbook, you know, the money to do that, but it was bravado. It right. was, I dare say the word is Billy Big Bollocks. And yeah. sometimes people do that, especially when they're on, well, back then in the newspapers. And then in the yeah. 90s, on the telly. We don't. Yeah. He, was, he was only a bellboy as well, this guy buying the season. <laughs> I hope someone shouted that to him. <laughs> did he have a vessel with him and did, done some really cool like, avant-garde dancing outside? <laughs> 50 mirrors on each side. <laughs> yeah, that, that sort of reminds me of... Um, I remember we played Leeds one time, and we played Leeds various times, and they've always bought a massive number. But I remember they swamped the place one game think they're all in the east stand i think it was and just like swamping the place but clubs of that ilk i mean i think i think uh correct me if i'm wrong there's a lead supporters club in northampton drink out of the that pub in kingsworth i think it is, is it the, the windmill I might be wrong yeah there's definitely a, a lead supporters club in northampton probably it's all, um, it's all men of a certain age isn't it Leeds? yeah um, it is the heyday was in the <laughs> 70s yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, much, I, I much, much, like that day. Rat, much, yeah, much like rats, and except <laughs> if rats were the same gender and age, and sexuality, <laughs> no doubt, and race. That, um, that man you gave, I remember uh, we talked a little about, a bit about Ronaldo, and at that point, he was sort of the Ronaldo that was trying all the step overs, not as good as uh, Asamara, I must admit, but you know, all this tricks, not really too much of an idea about keeping the ball too much. He was a good player, but for me, I reckon, I, I always liked Diego Forlan. I thought he was absolutely brilliant, and I just thought that was brilliant to see him at six fields. Do you remember Forlan, Jack? Yeah, yeah, and obviously Lee Harper saved his penalty that day, didn't he? Which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, 
That was yeah. He was he was he was all right, wasn't he? Um, the, Ronaldo, yeah, he was raw. You'd say raw, wouldn't you? At that time, it was the yeah. it was the ac- more ankle tape than a racehorse era, Ronaldo. Uh, and and for that four-land penalty, he definitely dived under Chris Carruthers' challenge, which is not like barely a shove. So yeah, a little a little hint of what was to come there. That was probably quite a different career arc, wasn't it, for two young players? Chris Carruthers, who mm. was he was destined for bigger things, apparently, like England under 21s or whatever, England, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then Ronaldo, they're, it's funny how life <laughs> takes you in different directions. Yeah. Where Chris yeah. Carruthers ended up, actually. He was pretty good. Little left back, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ronaldo had his um, the spaghetti haircut as well. Bit. Uh, New to the country when he had his forgetting his head. Did you get to into who did you get to interview after that, Jeff? Do you like do you remain professional and go for you know the mo- most pertinent players, or do you just go for the stars and just? Well, um, we we weren't given access to any Manchester United players. Um, okay. Nobody nobody was, and um, Sir Alex Ferguson did Sky because it was on Sky, wasn't it? And no, he didn't do any other outlets. It wasn't. It wasn't the nowadays. There would probably have. There will probably have to be a, some kind of mixed zone or a formal press conference would be because all all that stuff. It's all in the like competition rules that they have to do that. Yeah. Um, but then he just did Sky and left. So I, I interviewed Harper afterwards because he was quite good because obviously he'd saved the penalty and stuff. Um, I remember that. It was quite a good interview. Lee Harper was like. Fa- famously miserable like hilariously miserable but he was quite upbeat that day um but all the national media guys because obviously ev- every single outlet was there all they wanted to know was for the cobblers players whose shirt did you get that was their that was their only line to mm. all of them which is a bit is a bit depressing really isn't it but but that you know that's the game did asamara actually ever do any step overs in that game i can't remember I think he did a few in the warm-up. Nice. Because Martin Reeves played, didn't he? Martin Reeves started and it was like, what the? Where's Martin Reeves come from out of nowhere? Um, Mark Richards played in that game as well, of course. Yeah. We had some some good players. Martin Reeves, though, it was, that would have been that, all of that season, wouldn't it? I mean, players that sounded good when they came in that were not league quality. Yeah. He was, uh, he was the first. Yeah. Martin Reeves, a bit of a, um, Bit of a cool haircut, so it looked, made him look like he was pretty good. Amazing haircut. He was the first player I interviewed because they saw They must have signed him in the summer of 03 for that 03 04 season, and it was when they were buying everyone. Martin Wilkinson was the manager, and yeah, Case was on holiday, I think. So I went up to Sixfields to interview him, and he had, yeah, his hair was ridiculous, and then like he had some t shirt on that was. You know, like shred, a shredded T-shirt was like bits of it missing and stuff, but probably cost about four hundred pounds. <laughs> and these like ridiculous jeans and trainers. And it was like, oh, okay, right. Yes, you know what's happening to him. It's like you're describing my outfit, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> it, it, I guess that's, that's an outfit get up. That's an outfit <laughs> get up that screams, "You're either gonna be good, or you think you are, and you're gonna be a twat." <laughs> you, know, you know what happened to him? He'd been down clues in the afternoon, hadn't he? He'd been down <laughs> clues and been got by that salesman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spent his signing on bonus in clues. 
You play Man United tonight, today, mate. I've got the perfect thing for you. Just come in. Just come in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Martin Reed, one of those players when we had we just had a high turnover of players and he was sort of here today, gone tomorrow. The player I was talking about, and I can't talk about him too much because I've just looked at his postscript, is um, Jordan Robertson. He wasn't even Scottish at all. He sounded Scottish. Oh, uh, yeah, from Sheffield United. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of, how would we describe it? A uh, yeah, criminal conviction. So we can't really talk about him too much, but he was the one. I think he went to St. John or something, but yeah, he was a player. Was, was, was it a driving offence? Yeah. Of uh, yeah. a feeling, what? Yeah, I was going to do was the worst type of driving offence. Yeah. Yeah, let's gloss over that one. <laughs> um, mm. Let's move on. Been chatting for a while. Let's move on to um, little feature. We have these little stupid things on the Twitter and stuff, and we just get people to join in. And um, I think it was just bring up my notes. Uh, a guy called Gary follows us on Twitter. Uh, he was talking about, and Martin can fill us in a little bit. Frank Large Way in Northampton. Now, there's probably a couple. I think Ian's mentioned it before. Maybe someone else. But there's a, at least one street in Northampton named after a cobbler's player, Frank Large Way. Um, Martin, is this where you play baseball? Uh, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Up, up there at St Crispin's. I'm just looking at the exact geography of it to say it's Frank Large Walk. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And it, it's there, and it backs on to the diamond of everybody in Northampton's favourite baseball club, the Northampton Centurions. <laughs> I like the um, the Essex Slags. They're the best for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't remember the name of it. I'll like. pass it on to Sean at the Essex Redbacks. I was talking to him last night. Sorry if you're listening from Essex. But yeah, Frank Large, obviously. Yeah, so we, have a, we do have a Frank Large walk. I know there's a... Sh- I mean, on rugby sort of rugby union sort of stuff we've got a Shelford way out here after Wayne Shelford okay oh yeah um Frank Large was a cobbler's legend to fans of a certain age I guess um I think it was the 60s 70s probably bit of a club stalwart so we put it out there on Twitter if you were going to name a street after a Northampton player or figure what would you um name it after now have any of you guys got one Ian, have you got one? About Patmore Place. Oh, nice. Sounds like um like a afternoon soap opera that would be yeah, on Channel Australian. Five. I can yeah, already I can already see the guy's haircuts. And <laughs> <laughs> are we more perving than cutting? Well, because <laughs> it would be like a good Aussie soap, wouldn't it? Because I remember didn't he was famously described as looking more like a beach bum than a footballer, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he was and didn't he go and wasn't he like a hero at Yeovil I might have made that up yeah, yeah he was one of those n- names you used to see on the biddy printer like after they'd left us like it'd always pop up as a goal scorer in like the 89th minute when you're watching final score and you're thinking that didn't really happen when he played for us <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was was he the tail end of the county ground era just as we, before we went to he six- was yeah. He was. I remember standing on the cricket side watching him come on, and someone was going, "What is?" It's a bit like when Akin Fen were first played. Everyone's going, "What? What's going on? Mate? Who's this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if you can score goals, it doesn't really matter what your build is and what you look like, does it? So there you are. Didn't he go on to become a golf, a professional golfer, or like a really high standard of golfer? 
Wow. Or maybe I dreamt that. Maybe no, maybe I you should be I've one of those streaks like thing. Yeah, there you go. If they build on like I don't know, didn't they like haven't Delapri abandoned one of their um like their nine holes? Maybe yeah, if the they build streaks. Yeah, the Hardenstone nice. So if they yeah. ever build on there, I'm sure they will. They could call it they could they yeah, I could put Patmore Place there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Did um in my mind Warren Patmore looks like that England cricketer side bottom? He's got that curly hair, that that yeah. floppy hair. Yeah. Never see him in the same. I don't know if he's got it now. <laughs> I've just looked him up on Wikipedia because I wanted to I wanted to work out the the golf. I wanted to see if there was any intel on the golf thing. This was yeah. his record for the Cobblers: two in two goals in twenty one games. So mm. get your t shirts here. Um, and then Yeovil. This was so he had six years at Yeovil, and these was his goals. 23, 19, 16, 20, 13, and 18, giving him a total of 140 goals in 287 games for Yeovil. Wow. That's a great Curse return. of the Cobblers, strikers. Yeah. Maybe they should yeah, build this, Name the street in Yeovil. Someone contact, someone contact <laughs> yeah. the council down there. <laughs> um, but that's classic Cobblers, isn't it? Like besmirch him just because he's got some curly hair. He's like, good. Who's this? Who's this surfer bum? This surfer dude. Get back to California or whatever. And then he'd yeah. leave us and go to the. Admittedly, Yobel probably wasn't the highest standard, but obviously, pretty good player. So yeah, um, that was a good one. Patmore Place. Anyone else got a street idea for Northampton? You got one, Martin. I'd love to. I'd love to have the imagination that you know some something of the Ian Benjamin or Trevor Morley front line would be great. But I just, uh, as as often happens when you ask these imaginative things, you got to defer to the guys on Twitter. Uh, for, uh, the people who Hill, Hill. are way brighter than us. Yeah, I mean, let's go. Hill, Hill. Hill. We do. We do. Hill, Hill. <laughs> Isn't there somewhere called Hilltops, which I think you can't beat? <laughs> Probably. But, um, yeah, so Richard Hill was quite a popular one. Matt Rice went, we need to change Spinny Hill to Richard Hill, which I think I'd, I would accept. Yeah. Would you guys, Richard Hill? Yeah. Almost yeah. better. Put me down as a yes. <laughs> James Bland, he's cheated a little bit. He's gone for, I believe this is a village. And he's put Dean Pier in it, which is always good. It's always good with us. Um, Dean's Pier Hanger. Perfect. Dean's mm-hmm. Dean's Hanger, isn't it? For all you village yeah. buffs out there, I even asked him that one. But that was a pretty good one for um, Jade Bland. Um, who else is there? There's Ben Rigdon's probably got the best one. I think he's nailed it with um, Chris Wild away. Nice. Pretty good. Every day of the week, yeah. Where would Way be, do you reckon? What part of town? Hmm. Somewhere where the it's real the working class people Bridge Street. Hmm. <laughs> what do you say, Ian? It's where the real working class community lives. Oh, over, here, over here then, Ian, over here. That was always his big thing, wasn't it? About the working yeah. class fan, the working well, you get class to the fan base. He likes getting the bus as well, doesn't he? Um, but I, I do think, you know, where would the wild away than it in Northampton? Well, if it's anything like 20 years ago, Bridge Street. Yeah, fair play. You see Barry, yeah. Barry Richardson coming up here after um, getting engaged. <laughs> exactly, <night>. exactly. <laughs> Get the ponies in. 
<laughs> so, yeah, that, that'll be unlikely to be beaten, but there's a few more. Um, Claret Corner, um, poor old Ash Taylor. He's just got, found a picture of a place called Bellend, which is one of those routes. How busy you driving to Wollaston, yes. Yeah. Is that in No, Wollaston. Ah, I didn't know it was round here. Fair play. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, he's going to have to live on Bellend. What else have we got? There's some more. We did some this evening and we've got a couple more. Uh, what have we got? We've got... Um, let's have a look. We've got... Um, this is one for fun, like older fans. The Rain... The Ray Train track. Now, Ray Train, that must have been 70s. Does anyone know? Stuart Bailey, that was. 70s, probably 60s. It is, uh, it is 70s. The only reason I know of any players from that era is because I remember them being written about in in the fanzine. What a load of cobblers and yeah. reading. Yeah, what are that that would that. that would make him early 80s. I think Ray Train, and I think he died not long after. Uh, he he came. I think a big reputation from Oxford. I think he might have some injury problems. I think he's around 82, 83, 84. But around I think the time he, of your top then, Martin? Um, around the time of my first game and certainly re- reading, as, as Jeff says, reading the paper and sucking in all this information. Yeah. Your top is around that time, isn't it? You're the one that you've got, that colour. Oh, goes, yeah. Uh, yes. But I would always... It's, there's only one player you think of in that top, which, of course, is... You know, it, it is the Frankie Belfon. Frankie, the Frankie Belfon, the legend yes. that is Frankie Belfon. What, what a dude. He, uh, he wore it well, to be fair to him. Um, we've got better, Richards. better than I, better than I. <laughs> we've got A.D. Richards. He's uh, often does some good little uh, bits of input for us. He's gone for Abbey Road. I assume he means Nathan Abbey Road, Jake Moore's favourite um, cobbler's goalie. Um, do you remember yeah. um, Nathan Abbey, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was kind of one of, he was a, like a bit of a perennial understudy. I think he was, um, he was one half of, uh, was it against, I, I want to say it was against Peterborough. He came out, he came he screaming out and crashed into Paul Reed, and the, they scored as a result of it. Is that, have I got that right? Sounds no, about I right. Think you're right, Jeff. Mm. Isn't he another one that went elsewhere and he, did quite well, though? Nice. I, I thought he'd been okay as an understudy before he to so maybe had a couple of good games against us, but it was an unmitigated disaster for us. And I don't think he did much afterwards, not in the football league. Oh, to be fair, Martin, actually <laughs> looking at it, somehow <laughs> the stats, the stats uh, are out, out thinking my um, anecdotes. <laughs> this is no, but this is Wikipedia, which is just you know, God knows, this is probably completely wrong, but. Not many players can go Northampton, St Albans City, Ipswich Town after St Albans City. <laughs> then Burnley. This is must be wrong. Then Leighton Orient. Don't right. what Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> Some, someone's been at that page. <laughs> it's uh, called Mrs Abbey. Yeah, Ketcher in Town. Twenty nine games for tw- uh, Ketcher in Town. So yeah, I yeah. Think I remember, yeah, I think I remember at the Poppies. Yeah. Bit error prone as far as I remember, but yeah, if, he, if he's gone from St Albans to Ipswich, he's done himself pretty good there. So yeah, there's a story um, there, isn't there? I'll <laughs> tell you what, there's a guy to get on the podcast. Yeah, because that'd be just an interesting story of a, a bang average. 
brought in slag keepers off for mistakes. They will be better keepers than anyone ever played with. But that sounds like an interesting career. Just looking at Martin Reeves on uh, Wiki, uh, his brilliant haircut. Just just Google Martin Reeves Wiki. You'll see he's lovely. Uh, he's definitely got blonde highlights in there. He was definitely raising the stakes in the in the hair game. He <laughs> he came from Leicester City, uh, Jeff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And was it was a bit of like it was one that they were sort of quite sort of. Um, touting as a bit of a coup really that they'd managed to get him he was given the squad number seven as well wasn't he when they signed him and stuff so it was like we've managed to lure this guy away from Leicester and he's going to be what really one to keep an eye on and he really wasn't was he unfortunately it looks like he made the opposite trip from some of those Graham Carr players because he went to ended up at Nuneaton Hucknall these are all sort of not in a Leicester club nice. <laughs> Yeah, drifted into obscurity, but um, he had his moment against Man United. Um, we'll wrap up now. I, my my one, my um, I was struggling a little bit with Cobbett Street now. I was just thinking, who should we um, name a street after? I think um, Dr. Tall Paul Riley. I think he said something about my guys, well, F and E lad. Dr. Tall Paul <laughs> Riley, if you're listening over in, I think you live in Australia or New Zealand. If you're listening, Jeff's mate. You, you're his mate, aren't you? You, you, you sang about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He was um he was a regular on the old um Jimmy's End supporters club buses back back in the sort of mid nineties. Yeah, he's really really nice guy. He is. I think he does. I think he does live in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening, uh, Paul, mate, thank you for your uh, impact. That was a long way to come for the old bus from Jimmy's End. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did a pickup there. It was uh, you met in Abbey Street, and then it picks up in downtown Auckland, and then on to uh, on to Rochdale or wherever. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I think I've ended up near in New Zealand after going on some of those coaches. Like when you're getting home at three o'clock in the morning, I yeah. remember one of them. The driver didn't know where to go, and he was like, "Where do you, where do you want me to drop you off?" So I got him to drop me off down in um, the Eastern District somewhere. He, he didn't have a bloody clue where he was. I was like, "Well, I might yeah. as well pick out of this." probably been to some godforsaken place but um yeah uh yeah getting back to what i was talking about with dr paul, uh, tall paul riley f and e lads so abington street has anyone been down there recently looking a bit down at here and it looking a bit sad so if we rename it the f on e lad boulevard would that take you <laughs> to uh going to town a little bit more shopping would me absolutely I, I need i need to buy a bottle of fizzy pop hey <laughs> yeah and do you remember that statue of those, like, it was like a shoe uh, shoemaker's last or something, and those little children? I don't know if it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. 80s reference for Northampton down the uh, Abington Street. If that was just a, you know, a statue of F&E lad there, I reckon it would transform the whole, whole town. What do you reckon, Jeff? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, the question is, would he be in the, was was he wearing, what's the famous story, the, the, the and Andy's famous story, was he wearing a leather jacket and shorts? No, that was that that one. Oh Andy, God! That was um, I think that was one of the old cobblers. Yeah, it was one of the, I follow one of the old cobblers youth team is on. Twitter. Right. Okay. He, he put on there that um he went down to and he turned up in bomber jacket and uh I think it was cycling shorts and a bomber jacket something <laughs> like, that. like amazing. Man, I don't reckon only F and E lads circa where was it ninety four ninety three. Yeah, get away with that. What do you reckon? So he would, have, he would have been in the same team as Warren Patmore. 
Wow. It'd have been it'd have been supplying the ammo for for yeah. Warren Patmore to yeah. get his two in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Dog dog days of the county ground. Mm. You take them back though, wouldn't you? Now. You know, oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, well, only because I think there was a degree, uh, and I'm now walking home, the pub is closed. Um, only because the degree, I think, of optimism of a bit like Transfer Dead one day, it'll all be different. We go to Six Fields, you know, the glorious John Barnwell era will be unveiled and everything will be fine. And of course, you have the anticipation, but reality intervenes. And it's the same old shit, just the other side of town. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a brilliant place to wrap up, Martin. You're walking home from the exit one. Don't fall in the ditch or something, Martin. We're going to have to come and fish you out. All right, guys, take it easy. Um, Cheers, uh- all. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend the Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.